Welcome to the Weekly Walk Podcast, where we bring you impactful sermons from our vibrant Seventh-day Adventist community in Onalaska, Washington. Join us as we explore faith, hope, and love through engaging sermons and inspiring stories. Whether you're a longtime member or just curious about our beliefs, tune in to find spiritual nourishment and a sense of community in our shared journey of faith. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Grace and peace to each and every one of you. It's a blessed day to be able to come together in this capacity as family to be able to worship. Amen. Amen. And I just want to welcome everyone who has been led here uh, through the grace and power of the Holy Spirit to worship in this capacity. Just such an honor to be able to come together at such a time as this in the history of this world. Uh, I am very thankful for all the different uh, faces, all the different, uh, some familiar, some not familiar, Uh, but we're just so grateful, brothers and sisters, that the Lord has prepared a space in time where we can be able to sit and be taught of the Lord. Amen? When you look at the things that are happening in our world today, I always wonder and I always think to myself how how critical and how crucial it is that we make the most of all these moments. We take them so much for granted. Uh, The times for prayer, the times for uh, joint worship or individual worship. We take these opportunities oftentimes, I fear, uh, in vain. And I know that time is coming when we will look back and we will almost wish to have these times like we do have right now. So I just want to ask that as we uh, journey together in the Word of God, that on your end, you would be first and foremost, prayerfully and interestedly engaged, not because a man is speaking from here in front, but because I believe that the Lord is in this place at this time and desires for us to catch a message, a message that might minister something to each one of us. And so we are going to uh, begin by making uh, a little bit of a, I don't want to call it an alert or a, uh, an announcement. I'm just, I'm just going to simply put it as it is. It's interesting how the Lord sometimes arranges and rearranges things. Um, I was doing my preparation and my uh, final collation of ideas, putting them all down on paper, and I have several Bibles. <laughs> and so this morning I, I was, I suppose, in a different Bible, and I grabbed a different Bible to bring. And so my notes are not with me, but that's okay because by God's grace, uh, what he would have us to share will be brought out at the appointed time. And so I'm hopeful and prayerful and excited to see really what the Lord has in store. Uh, as, we, as we prepare to launch into the study, uh, it has always been my practice to encourage us to actively interact and actively uh, do our part 
in cooperating in receiving of the word. And what are one of those ways that we can do that? Well, uh, one of the ways that we certainly must uh, get into the habit of doing is being in a prayerful state. Lord, please keep my mind from being distracted. You know, the enemy is a master illusionist who just distracts us from all sorts of angles. Our thoughts, somebody else's actions or words, whatever it is. So I do ask and pray that you can stay prayerful as we enter into his word. Uh, secondly, another way we can cooperate with him is by jotting down key points or taking notes. Some people are good note takers, others are not. Uh, others have powerful memories, whatever it is, I would encourage you to do your part in actively receiving the word. Again, not because a, a, a man is speaking, but because the Lord would have each message for each individual, and sometimes it may come at a time in which you least expect. It has been very interesting how sometimes I have uh, been engaged in a conversation with somebody, and a word comes to my mind, but not something that I was planning or I was thinking, but it was a word that was brought. And sometimes those words that are brought to our mind are those that we may have received from listening to somebody, maybe a sermon here or there, or maybe a Bible study. And so it definitely is a good idea where you can take some notes, stay prayerful, and by God's grace, we will stay under the influence of his spirit that we may all be taught of him. Our topic for this morning, uh, may I have a clicker, uh, brother, if you don't mind? Um, thank you. Our topic for this morning, as is entitled in the, uh, the bulletin, is a guiding light. Thank you so much. A guiding light. And we're going to be looking at uh, part one of this uh, study for today. Uh, and the next time, by God's grace, we're able to come together, we will seek to enter into uh, the second part, and that's definitely the, 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 the main or the meat, if you will, of the study. Uh, as we enter into it, I humbly ask that you will bow your heads with me as I kneel uh, before our Father's presence. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, the time has come to break the bread of life. This is the word that has been given to nourish and to sustain. As it is written, man shall not live by the physical, literal bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And so as this bread is broken, we trust, we believe, and we are expecting that it will come fresh from heaven's bakery. And that we may be able to receive the nourishment as we chew upon it. And as the enzymes of your grace are lavished, that our bodies, our inner bodies will be able to take up the word and will be able to strengthen us for the time is at hand. And we sense that we are living in a time where spiritual strength is demanded. And so I just ask that you will be with my lips, be with my mouth, that I might not speak any word more or less, that I might not uh, be an, an intervening force 
between you and your people. I pray that I would be able to stand behind him who was uh, hung on the cross and that we all with open face may be directed to behold his lovely image. So please prepare us to engage in the study that you have in store for us. We pray with expectancy and with thankfulness that you do hear us at this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Mark, the second of the Gospels, Mark, and we're going to be uh, looking at chapter 13, Mark chapter 13, where we are going to pick up the words of Jesus as he spoke to his disciples on the eve of his great sacrifice. This is known as the last of the prophetic declarations of Christ, where he lays out the panorama or the history of the church after his departure. Mark chapter 13, and we're going to pick it up in verse number 26. Mark 13 and verse number 26. The Bible says, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Are you there? Okay, and verse 27, and then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from where? From the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. And then Jesus, as his as his uh, method often was he would take a spiritual teaching and then he would insert a natural illustration that would serve to anchor the truth in the minds of his hearers and so now in verse number 28 he says now learn a parable of the fig tree the fig tree was a tree that was very much known to those who were living in Jerusalem at the time the fig tree had come to be recognized as the uh, the national tree when you thought of the fig tree you recognize it as the tree that symbolized the nation so when Christ here says learn the parable of a fig tree his hearers are all very conversant very um, uh, attentive but also understanding of what he is saying learn a parable of the fig tree when her branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves what are you supposed to know summer is near so jesus is going to link as we see here that his coming and the things that he has been declaring things that maybe they're not able to quite wrap their mind around prophetic declarations as we have read beginning in verse 26 that those declarations can better be understood and received when you identify them with something that you can relate to. That's, that's the point of a parable. It illustrates a truth because you can relate to that truth. So Jesus says, when you see a particular sign with this, with this fig tree, you know that summer is nigh. And then in verse number 29, so ye in like manner, when you see these things, now we have not read what those things are, but Jesus has already given a certain 
a delineation of events, of things that were going to happen. And so he says, when you see these things come to pass, then know it is nigh even at the doors. All right. The next words are equally significant. Jesus says, what? Verily, or most assuredly, or in no uncertain terms. So, so a hearer, a listener, is essentially saying, or is, is being called to pay attention. Jesus says, verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass until all these things be done. Now this is very interesting because this has been one of those passages that has uh, perhaps stumped a lot of Christians, uh, which is the generation that's being referred to over here. Because certainly, uh, from us in our advantage position, we could say that it definitely was not the generation of the apostles, the disciples who are listening to Christ, because that generation has passed away. And it has not been the generation of all those early Christians who certainly felt that these persecutions that we're going through must be a sign of the time of the end because that generation has also passed away. And there have been generations that have been alive throughout some very dark times as far as this earth is concerned. And certainly many of them felt and thought that certainly this has to be the generation. But then they have come and they have gone. And here we are in the year 2024 and still reading these things. But Jesus says something that there is going to be a particular delineation of events of which when they happen, Jesus says that that generation alive at that time will see the fulfillment of everything, including the Son of Man. And Jesus now certifies or puts the authority of heaven on his statement. Notice with me in verse number 31 what the Bible there says. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away. But what about his words? They will not pass away. <laughs> this is some serious, serious uh, authority that Christ is calling upon his declaration. Christ has another illustration that we will look at as we get into the uh, study this morning. Uh, in verse number 32, Jesus now gives an exhortation or instruction for the church. He says, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. Now the word knoweth means reveal. No one is going to reveal. No one is going to be able to declare the day or the hour, not any man, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but who has the privilege of declaring the actual day and hour of Christ's coming? The Father. All right. So, take heed. Watch and pray. And why, why is the church to watch and pray? Okay. Jesus says, in essence, Brother Andre, as you're saying, that you do not know when the time is. You do not understand when that probation will close. So watch and pray. Be alert. Be engaged. Do not sleep. 
And I just want us to end by looking at the illustration that is used that Christ closes out this uh, message to his disciples with. In verse number 34, the Bible says, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants. And to every man, what did the Son of Man give? His work. Do you know that you and I all have a work to do? Do you know that even the child has a work to do as far as if you are in the kingdom of Christ, if you're in the church of Christ, every child has a work to do. Now, how is the child going to know that work? By the work of the faithful parent, right? The parent is to instruct the child as to its work. And God, using the parent, communicates the work. So every person in the kingdom of God has a work to do. That's what Jesus is telling us over here in verse 34. Every man his work. But then he also says he commanded the porter to watch. So verse 35, watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh. And there are four times or four watches that Jesus instructs what are the four watches okay so we have the even and then what's the next one okay the midnight watch all right what's the next one the cock crowing and the morning all right the cock crowing watch and then the morning watch now this was watches that were put together by the uh the romans who at that time were in the uh dominion if you will they were the world empire at the time and their watches were evenly divided so even was divided from the setting sun which was from 6 p.m to 9 p.m. That was known as the first watch. The second watch was evenly divided, so that'd be from when? 9 to 12. Very good. The cock crowing watch, which was oftentimes the most perilous of the watches, the time when you are most sleepy as a watchman, the time when an enemy would be most able to do his work, and that was the cock crowing watch. And when would that exist from? That's correct. 12 p.m. Sorry, what am I doing right over here? It's at 12 a.m. All right. 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. And then finally, the morning watch was the one that brought us to the sunrise from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. All right. And so Jesus says, watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or at or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. 
And these words were not just to the disciples, because Christ then ends in verse number 37 by saying, What I say unto you who are hearing me now, I say unto all. Watch. So brothers and sisters, it is our duty, it is our safety, I should say, to watch. And so this morning, as we look into this idea of a guiding light, provisions, that God has given for us to be able to go through this night. Surely, I believe that the Lord is granting grace. He's granting his mercy. He's granting his power so that he can find a people who are with, 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 with expectancy, with eyes wide open, ready for the inadvertent coming of the Son of Man. And I pray that by the grace of God, it will be known that here in Onalaska, we are seeking to prepare a people who are engaged, not only in their mind, understanding things, but in their very life. And I believe that for that reason, Satan is doing his utmost to, to spoil our Christian experience. Have you realized how tremendously difficult it's getting to live like a Christian. Have you, have you experienced the internal struggles of actually being like Christ? The ugliness that comes out of us, the strife and commotion, the, the, the difficulties. And, and what I like to, to say and think is praise God that he is bringing these things out because I'd rather that they come out now and that God can be able to deal with them now, than somehow convince ourselves that we have need of nothing, that we are okay, that we are Christians, like Christ. And then when he comes, we hear words that will be completely devastating. I know you not. So I am saying thank you, Lord. If, 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 if you're showing me that I am this ugly person, I'm thankful. I'm thankful because the closer I come to Christ, the more ugly I'm going to actually see myself. It is a sign of spiritual life when you can actually see that you are an ugly, spiritually speaking, individual. That your character, your image is not that of the lovely Jesus. That is a beautiful sign of life. You know, one of the, 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 this is just an aside, but one of the, uh, the damaging effects of leprosy, of which sin is connected to leprosy, is its ability to cause numbness, where you lose your ability to feel. And the illustration, spiritually speaking, of that is a very startling one. When we do not feel and sense our ugliness or our, our lack of Christ-likeness, we are in a very perilous position. And so, as Jesus has given us this illustration, we're going to be seeking with his grace and with his power to understand how we can be able to watch. Now, I'm not going to be getting into so much the detail today, but I want to say that we... Today, are in the last year of the prophetic midnight watch. We are about to enter into the cock crowing watch. 
And when you look in scripture, Jesus, Jesus does not give any indication that he will wait until the morning watch. Jesus gives some very interesting indications. Now, what I'm not doing is I'm not trying here to, 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 to guess at or tell you the year of his coming. That's, that's, we've already seen that not the point uh, here or anything that somebody could accurately do. But does Christ tell us to know when it is near? He does. Does Christ give us signs to know when it is near? Okay. And Jesus actually, as we saw, gave us the illustration of a fig tree. And the fig tree, when it talks about summer coming now, and we've talked about this before, summer is a sign of the end of the world. Does, does anybody vaguely remember that when we looked at that? Summer is a sign of the end. So God expects, instructs, and enables us to understand that we are near. And what I'm saying, just for the setting of where we stand, is that we are in the last epoch of time before we enter into the most perilous of the watches. And it is my hope and, and, and prayer that as we look into our study this morning or afternoon briefly, that we may understand how to better prepare for this perilous position the cock crowing watch. And so our study is titled, A Guiding Light, subtitle, Provisions for the Journey. Why the journey? As we read in verse 34 of Luke 13, uh, Mark 13, the Son of Man, the Son of Man, which is Christ, is as a man taking a far journey. And so when Christ has taken this far journey, surely, surely, if we are called to do our work faithfully, will he leave provisions for us to be able to prosecute our work? Yes. Indeed, he will. And that's why we are looking at these provisions for the journey. Now, as we have seen, The Bible has some very interesting and very fascinating things to say about light. I don't need to convince you that we are living in a time of darkness. Is that true? I don't need to convince you about that. Perhaps I may need to convince some of us that there is some tremendous darkness within us. Some already understand that, but some might not. But it is very clear that the idea of light is something that is wrapped up in the entire presentation of scripture. Uh, in fact, the very first thing that God so good to bring into existence, we know this, was what? Light. When God in the beginning said, let there be light. And the Bible says that God saw the light and that light was good. And later on, as he continued in his creation, we have seen how God also created the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so you have this one light that appears, and then you have later on the other light. But today, we're going to be looking at two aspects of light. The inner light and the outer light. Because you see, brothers and sisters, in this time of darkness, God 
reveals the perils of being in darkness. And we find ourselves as Christians living at this time that God has called us to be alive, and yet, behold, we find darkness all around us. Turn with me to the book of John, John chapter 8, where Jesus speaks an encouraging as well as uh, warning uh, exhortation. John chapter 8. Pardon me, I'll actually, for uh, a quick moment, just um, have us go to John 11. Before we do John 8, let's just first go to John 11. We're going to look at verse 9 and verse 10. John 11, verse 9 and verse 10. The Bible says, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. Then in verse 10, Jesus says, But if any man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Now Christ was often misunderstood in his declarations. There are so many things that Christ would say, and you know the disciples would scratch their heads, what is he trying to say, or his enemies would stumble and trip up on his words and you know sometimes even use them to accuse him or try to entrap him so christ oftentimes had this difficulty of communicating and getting his point across and one of the points here is in verse 10 where christ says that he that walks in the night stumbles because he does not have any light in him now the christian is living in the time of the night and yet, he is to walk and not to stumble. And what I want to consider with us then has to do with the guiding light that God gives each and every one of us to enable us to be able to successfully walk in the night without stumbling. Because you see, by way of connecting what Christ is saying here, we have just read in Mark, how Jesus said to the disciples concerning the watches that watch, pray, work, because you do not know when the Son of Man is coming. But what time period does Christ instruct his followers to do the watching? In the day or in the night? In the night. So he's instructing them to do a work in the night, meaning that at the time of his appearing, it's going to be nighttime. And yet over here he's saying that in verse number 10, if you walk in the night, you will stumble because there is no light in you, in him. So we want to bring together everything that Christ is saying here. Evidently, his people are called to minister. His people are called to, as it were, live out or shine out in the night. And we need to understand this. And so we're going to be looking at the two lights that God has given, what I'm calling the inner light and the outer light. Speaking about the inner light, let us go to the book of Luke. We're going to go to chapter 34, Luke 11, and uh, verse 34. We want us to allow Jesus to enable us uh, and to equip us to understand what he is saying. 
And so let's begin with um, looking at the inner light, Luke the 11th chapter and verse number 34. Luke 11 and verse 34. The Bible tells us the light of the body is what? The eye. Very good. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. Is Jesus oftentimes a, a known in his teaching, mixing spiritual things with natural things and bringing them together? Have we already seen Christ do this? Yes, we have. And so, so just by way of being a Bible student, when we come into the words of Christ, let's come with the expectancy and watch and see how Christ is going to take something that we can identify and overlay with something spiritual that we can apply to ourselves. So Christ over here is not speaking about necessarily the anatomical organs called the eye. And we will see how he will continue to explain that. But suffice to say, Jesus says, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of what? Light. But when, the, when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. So you have two kinds of eyes. You have a single eye. And you also have a what eye? An evil eye. If you have a single eye, Brother Jeremy, what kind of situation are you in as far as scripture? If, you, if your eye is single, okay, if your eye is single, you're in a situation of light. If your eye is evil, what kind of situation are you in? Darkness. And so now with that in mind, if you can just keep that and just connect that as a link, if your eye is evil and it's darkness, or if your eye is single and it's light, who is Christ talking to when we read the passage in John 11? Do you remember what it said? John 11. Let's just go back there real quick. As Bible students, we have to run to and fro in Scripture to understand what Jesus, the lovely teacher, our Redeemer, is trying to tell us. John chapter 11 and, and, and verse number 10. John 11, verse 10, Jesus says, if, you are, if a man walk in the night, I'm looking at John 11, verse 10. If a man walk in the night, he stumbles because there is no light in him. So Bible students, what kind of eye does this person have who is stumbling? He has an evil eye. Very good. So Christ is not necessarily saying to, the, to, the, to, to, to his body, I don't, I don't expect you to walk in the night because you're gonna stumble. He's saying that in the night, if there is something that you need, is you need a single eye. You need a focused eye if you're going to have light. And Christ says, as we have already read, if your eye is single, how much of your body shall be full of light? All. If your eye is single, scripture says, your whole body shall be full of light. And so as we're going to be looking at this inner eye, whatever this inner eye is, we're looking at a situation where Christ is calling our attention to the eye and expecting the Christian to understand what is it to have an eye that is single. Because if we can, if we can understand that, if we can then 
have that experience, Christ is saying, then you will have light. And that light will be good. Go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament, right after Proverbs. And Proverbs is right after Psalms. So right there in the middle of the Bible, the wise man has something to say about light and the eyes. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And I want us to notice in verse number 7. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 7. Are we there? All right. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 7. Solomon, speaking in inspiration, says, Truly, the light is sweet. And it is a pleasant thing for what? For the eyes to behold the sun. Again, is it a good thing for you to just look directly at the sun? No. So there is some spiritual, you know, the Bible will use uh, natural things to uh, introduce spiritual realities. But let me say this. There is an actual health benefit of allowing the rays of the sun to hit your eyes, especially at sunrise and during sunset. There is a very healing ray that is emitted by the sun that causes your body tremendous re renovation or rejuvenation. Has somebody ever heard about that? Yeah? Okay, we'll have to talk about that sometime. It is a healing thing for the sun to hit the eyes and to emit some, some, some healing ray. All right. So, but, but, but we're told over here that it is a sweet thing, it is a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. Now, what sun is, is, is this uh, referring to? Let us, let us find out from the prophet Malachi. Malachi was the last of the prophets. Uh, of the Old Testament, that is. So from Luke chapter 11, we looked at Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 11. And now we're going to go to Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It's a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. Okay, so Malachi, right before Matthew is Malachi chapter 4. And let's notice in verse number 1, all right? And I want to ask you, based on what you're reading here, what is the timeline? What is the general time in art's history when it's being referred to over here in Malachi? Because the Bible says the days are coming that shall burn as an oven. What, what time period is this earth going to burn as an oven? The end times, the end days. In other words... This is the wrapping up, the wrapping up of this earth as we know it in preparation to usher in better things to come. So this is the very time period, in other words, in the end days, right before the end, when Jesus has said it is a very critical, fearful time when you're supposed to be watching because it is night. That's the time period that we're looking at when Jesus, uh, or rather when Malachi says, uh, that the days will come as an, uh, that will burn as an oven, and all the proud and all the do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave neither root nor branch. 
Now, now, now listen to the beautiful words that are revealed in verse 2. It says, but unto you that do what? So there is a particular experience for us, for those who are going to enter into an enlightened experience in the inner eye. And to you that fear my name, the Bible says, shall what? I'm in verse 2, Malachi chapter 4. But unto you that fear my name, shall the what? Shall the son of righteousness arise with what? With healing in his wings. Now who is the son of righteousness? How do we know that? <laughs> that's a good, that's, a, that's, that's always a safe answer. <laughs> All right. The son of righteousness. It is a good thing. I mean, let's, let's just look at how the verses connect because Christ is trying to enable us to understand that in this time of darkness, brothers and sisters, we are going to need to have light. And in order for us to have light, the Bible says our eye must be single. But in order for our eye to be single, it must have a focal point. And that focal point is the sun. The wise man said, it is a pleasant thing for the eye to behold the sun. And what sun are we talking about? We're talking about the sun of righteousness. Now, I had us open to John 8. Now we can finally go there. John chapter 8. As Christ, as Christ came into his ministry, into his career as it were, he made it very plain and very clear that he had a mission to perform. And so in John chapter 8, and noticing together in verse number 12, then uh, spake Jesus unto them again. So I'm looking at John 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them. And what did Jesus say? I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk where? In darkness, but shall have the light of life. So Jesus would have us to understand something clearly. Number one, the light of the body is the eye. What is the condition for the eye to be in for the body to have fullness of light? What is that condition called? Single. Okay? So, the eye must be single. According to the wise man, the eye must behold the sun. According to Malachi, that sun is the sun of righteousness. And according to John, that sun is none other than the sun. Amen. And brothers and sisters, we are now beginning to understand our first task of entering into a not just a safe, not just a reliable or dependable, but a 
crucial experience that the church, that you and I, must possess. In order for us, living at this time when Christ, which we, we read at the beginning in Mark chapter 13, when Christ is, 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 is laying out these uh, events that are to take place before he comes, when Christ is showing that it's going to be a perilous time, there is going to be a group of people who have an enlightened experience. But let's go just a little bit deeper because Christ over here gives us the eye, but now we need to understand what that eye is that we are to behold. So let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1 and verse number 18. Ephesians 1 and verse 18. The eye is equivalent to what? What is it that we need to be able to behold with uh, spiritually speaking, behold with. All right, so Ephesians chapter 1. And I want us to notice in verse 18, it gives us the, the spiritual application, the identification of what the eye is. Are we there, brothers and sisters? Okay. The Bible tells us in that very first setting, uh, very first line there by the great apostle Paul, the eyes of your what, everybody? The eyes of your understanding. So what is the eye, spiritually speaking, an equivalent of? Understanding. Very good. I need for us all to see this because if we fail to see this, we're going to stumble. Because Jesus has already told us if we walk in the night and we do not have light, we're going to stumble. Did you not say that? So, so Christ is saying that the eye of your understanding must be able to properly behold the righteousness that's in Christ in order for you, in order for me to successfully navigate a time of tremendous darkness. Is that all coming together? And if we fail to do this, then we've already seen in past scriptures and past uh, 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 presentations that Satan is more than willing to fill in the gap and to come in, as the Bible says, no wonder because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So this, this, this is not just an interesting putting together of verses, brothers and sisters. This is life and death. For us to know what Christ is trying to tell us. It is, it is as if Christ is trying to plead with us. Please understand with, 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 with your eyes, your spiritual understanding, that we are living in a very fearful time. In this watch, as it were. And that's the burden. When you look at what scripture is, the burden of the writers was to Make clear the perils and the warnings that would be upon the church. Now, as I see time moving, I will I just ask, up to this point, are we clear? Okay. The inner eye... Well, the inner light, I'm sorry, the inner light is our understanding. 
That's our I. Because, because these are the verses that can, can bring that out. There are more verses, but I'll leave it that way because you've all uh, shared that we're following together, so I don't have to exhaust that. And I'll just be brief with the outer light. And then as I mentioned, our second part is really where we, 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 we put the rubber to the road. Where the, is that how it goes? Where the rubber hits the road. Meets the road. Okay. We, we will apply it. Okay. We're just speaking theory right now. But so we have the inner light and we have what? The outer light. Now, this, is, this, is, this shouldn't surprise us because we see this. God, God, God's works are an identification of who God is. Like, God does things based on him, himself. And so it shouldn't surprise us that you have the two lights, the inner light and the outer light, just like in creation you have light and then you have light, right? You have light on day one and then you have light on day four. So you're going to see this constant play of light and light and and, and the idea, again, is to draw us into a spiritual understanding. We want to look at, just real quickly and real briefly, what the outer light is so we can now bring everything to a close. So let us go just uh, to some verses that some of us are already familiar with. The book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 23. We're also going to go to Psalms 119, verse 105. And then we will end at uh, 2 Peter, chapter 1, and verse 19. We want to understand what the outer light is, and then we will make just a couple points as we uh, seek to close. So, first of all, Proverbs, the book of wisdom. I pray you're all praying for and asking for wisdom. Amen? You know, Proverbs is one of those books that uh, it's, it's properly arranged. 30, 30 chapters for every day of the month. Right? Kind of. Or 31. It's actually 31 chapters. All right. So Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. And I want us to look in verse number 23. Proverbs 6 and verse 23. The Bible tells us, for the commandment is a what? Lamp. And finish it, everybody. The law is? Light. Okay, so here we have the wise man saying that the law is light. All right, let us go quickly to Psalms, right before Proverbs. Psalms 119. I want us to turn to verse 105. Most of us, some of us have this in our minds. Psalm 119, and what verse did I say? 105, correct. Psalm 119, verse 105, we are coming to a close here. The Bible tells us, thy word is what? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So thy word, the word of God, all right? And now we find, or we can go to the New Testament, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 19. 
Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. Are we there? How does the Bible begin? We have a more sure word of prophecy of which we do well to take heed as unto a what? A light that shines in a dark place. So what does the apostle liken the light as? Thank you. That's correct. Emmeline, that's very correct. Prophecy. God is laying a foundation for us to enable us to understand the provisions that he has given for the journey. And so, so far in scripture, and, and, and there are many more, we're not going to go through, through them all, but there are many more that show with clarity that God's law, God's word, prophecy, all of them together, are all the outer light that he has given. Now, as we, as we make one last point here, if we could just swing back to Psalm 119, we will find that one is subject to another. In other words, one of the lights are subject to the other light, just like you have the sun and the moon, and one light is subject to the other, right? The moon is subject to the sun. True? Okay. Psalm 119 and verse, 130, verse 130. What does the Bible say? The entrance of thy words, finish, giveth light. What does it do? It gives understanding. Have we talked about understanding already? <laughs> we have, right? We've talked of understanding. The entrance of thy word giveth light. It gives understanding unto the simple. So I, I'm going to ask you the question. Which is subject to the other? Is it the inner light that is subject to the outer light? Or is the outer light of God's word subject to the inner light of our understanding? B. Correct. Correct. So the inner light is subject to the outer light. The outer light, I don't know if the arrow makes sense over there, but the inner light, uh, maybe it should be the other way. I don't know. The outer light gives light to the inner light is the point that I'm trying to bring. All right? And so I want to just share this as we close. This is going to be one verse. As you look at the strife of light, and we're just closing with this text, we're given an outline of some of the things that we're going to be dealing with and facing with as we enter into a very perilous time period. A time when there is going to be a strife between the inner and the outer light uh, of, of, of our experience. Notice with me what we're told. God will have a people upon the earth to maintain what? The Bible. Is the Bible a light? 
Yes, Mason, it is a light. We've, we know that. Psalm 119, 105, thy word. God will have a people to maintain the Bible and the Bible only as the standard of all doctrines and as the basis or the foundation of all reforms. The opinions of learned men, the deductions of science, the creeds or decisions of ecclesiastical councils as numerous and discordant are as the churches which they represent. The voice of the majority, not one or all of these should be regarded as evidence for or against any point of religious faith. Before accepting any doctrine or precept, we should demand what light? The outer light. Thus saith the Lord in its support. And so as we, as, we, as, we, as we wrap this up, brothers and sisters, I pray and I hope that we are, we, we're prepared to engage because in the perils in which we are living, just listen to me, the perils in which we are living, one of the striking illustrations that we're living in the time of the end is that most of us as a human race, uh, humanity, have put the outer light in subjection to the inner light. And so as a result of that, people will give all sorts of excuses for going after their own ways, of doing after their own inventions, and now is being repeated the time that was recorded in Genesis as it was in the days of Noah, when every imagination of man was what? Evil continually. Their inner light had become the rule. And Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Essentially just saying, by and large, we're going to see the strife taking place between the two lights. And I pray that by God's grace, we might be prepared here in Onalaska to allow to allow the outer light to come into prominence. And once we understand that, we will be prepared for the process of enlightening the earth with the light of the glory of the knowledge of God. Because he has declared it will happen. It's up to you and I as to whether our body will be full of light and make that a reality or whether we will be in darkness and stumbling as we go. I ask the question for you, which camp will you be? Do you desire to be one that is full of light? As the Lord knows and sees the strife and the struggle, brothers and sisters, take courage and take hope. As I said when we began, I praise God he's allowing and giving time for this ugliness, for this realization of our unchristlikeness to come out. He doesn't do this to destroy us. He does this to, 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 to purify, to chasten because he loves us. And he knows what we can be when we are subject to his guidance. I pray that with his help, we might entertain what it means to behold that son of righteousness, to walk with him. And as we walk with him, 
so shall we be like him if we are faithful. May God bless you until the next time we have the privilege of being able to break together the, 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 the bread of life, the word of God. And uh, before we pray, uh, has this made sense? Have you understood what we have talked about? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the privilege of being able to take a few moments with brothers and sisters to enter into a mode, a formation of preparation. We are so privileged, Lord, to, to, to sit at the feet of Jesus, the light of the world, and to hear his word, to hear his, his high call for those who are living when the fig tree has put forth her branches, and it has. To live in a time when we are transitioning to the third watch, a most perilous time of watching, and yet to have the promises that you are the light of the world. We know the conditions that are being laid out. Our eyes must be single. Our understanding is to come into subjection of scripture. And I pray, therefore, that we will engage our mind and heart to be ready in your word as those Bereans were ready. I pray, Father, you've seen the hands that have gone up. You know that we are all struggling. I do not speak here as somebody who, 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 who is perfect and, and holy and undefiled. You know it all too well. My wife knows me all too well. We see that we, we stumble and fail and fall. And, and, and I'm praying that on one hand, we will not excuse and justify our darkness, but on another hand, we will humbly understand that there is no righteousness in us, but as we come into subjection of your word. And so I now ask that the entrance of your word will be given permission to our hearts and lives, and that there may be light in our dwellings. Bless your people, we pray, all for a closer walk with God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this journey through faith and community. As we conclude today's episode, we encourage you to carry the spirit of fellowship and compassion into your week ahead. Remember, in On Alaska and beyond, let's continue to spread love and understanding, reflecting the teachings of Christ in all that we do. If you ever find yourself in the neighborhood, feel free to stop in and say hi. We will gladly share a meal with you. Till next week.